We're going to wind back in a little bit more gradually this time. Now, Tallwater, as we know, sits at the mouth of the river, pouring down in two gigantic Niagara Falls-sized waterfalls on either side of the dozens of islands that span the mouth of the river. However, the terrestrial islands are not the only ones which make up the West Rim Archipelago, indeed, nor Tallwater itself. In fact, all over the place, sky moats hang at various elevations. The city is built on these as well as on the terrestrial cliffs and islands that dot the bay. And out there, in the dark, notable now for the flash of its circling beam is the Tallwater Tower. The world's largest lighthouse stands on a grand magical node. Its light keeps sailors from running aground for a dozen leagues in every direction, and it is the biggest beacon of its kind anywhere on the West Coast. Notable now, I say, because as we focus on this particular part of the coast, the beam lights up the darkened Hawthorne house. I have night vision because of my mark. Yep. So Finn is going to head down the West Hall slowly on the alert. Not sure what he's looking for. All right. So you're walking along and the carpet has that feel of, uh, you know, like when you're out in the forest and like you're in the highlands and it's all stony and, and yet wet and there's those big fat carpets of moss that grow along the stony edges of the cliffs. It smells familiar, that kind of loamy moss smell. Yeah. Well, that's what the carpet feels like. It's thick and it's mossy and it's like the floor is soft in a few places here, right? Do I notice anything moving or strangely out of the ordinary? Well, there's a, a light approaching the hall, like coming up the hall behind you. <laughs> Sir? Yeah. As everyone well knows, Garnak humans go blind in the dim. Up and out. I'm okay. And maybe no one else would notice this, but Garnak probably notices that the little sort of spindly tattoo that is just visible up the collar of Finn's shirt is glowing a l just slightly. And when he turns to face the light, his eyes flash the same way Juro's do. Interesting. All right. I dim my light, but I still stay behind him with the camera. I give a big thumbs up with a big smile, and I kind of like shoo him forward. Quickly back to the Cliffstones perspective for a second as everything goes from dimly colored to oddly transparent black and white. I feel like we're being watched, sir. Excellent. What do I see down this hallway? There's a flicker of motion at the end, just just beyond the edge of your vision. It would be better if you shut the light off entirely, honestly. The image winks out as uh, you kind of give him an annoyed look at the light, and he does just that. Uh, once you get a focus, you can make a perception check. That's a 10. Okay, so five feet ahead of you and to your left is a doorway to a room that's all warped and 
like it's closed right but uh like i said it's warped and it's cracked it's a kind of a crappy door there's no knob on it anymore and uh, ahead of you 10 feet to the right is another door in similar condition the door that would close the room at the end of the hall has been kicked right off and you can see a shadow moving in the light from what must be the western window of that room uh, but you can't see the figure itself in the room that's moving uh i was gonna cast guidance on on finn right now all right so um garnack stops you for a second and uh unless you stop him finn he gives your rifle just a super fast tune he's a hell of a good shot anyway right so lean in there give him a good what for and as you're uh just letting him know what you think of his marksmanship you just can't help but notice that maybe a little twist with an allen key here and there on this rifle you know good luck to you finn just before we get too far into it just to make sure just let me have a quick look at that and uh when he hands it back to you for some imperceptible reason it just feels a little better finn kind of takes the weight of it in his hands, nods at Garnack in thanks, but turns his attention quickly back to the shadow he saw up ahead. Um, I want to approach as stealthily as I can. All right, then I need you to roll a stealth check as well as Vesper, I need you to roll a stealth check. 21. 14. Where is Vesper from me, by the way? Well, that's a good question. But something is moving in that room up ahead. So you sneak up like a shadow in the dark, uh, just ghosting down the hallway, managing to avoid all the squeaks and stuff by keeping your footfalls mainly on the mossy parts. So as you step around the corner and cock the action of your rifle to get the drop on whoever's in there, you see Vesper standing there in a door looking out at a broad patio which faces out over the back lawns. Vesper, having tried to sneak off and been quiet, not really done a great job, but thinking that maybe you were, you're just sitting there looking out over the back patio and wondering whether you should go out there because it's raining in the door. When you hear the click of a rifle from behind you, scares the shit out of you. I try and keep my composure as much as possible and just tense up, but don't move. Make a wisdom save. 18. Good enough. That's exactly what you do. You tense up slightly, and then slowly turn to face Finn, who relaxes, seeing that it's only you. He, I'd drop the rifle, point it at the ground, and say, God damn it. What are you doing? Are you helping us? I don't know. Should I be? Why are you here? In this particular spot or on this expedition in general? Don't sass me. But it's so much fun to sass you. Welcome to Runelanders. I'm Matt Adam, your host and friendly neighborhood dungeon master, and so it's my job to let you know that Runelanders contains mature themes, adult content, coarse language, 
and things that might offend sensitive listeners. And so listener discretion is strongly advised. Now, if that sort of thing is your sort of thing, then thrill to these tales of terror in a town called Tallwater, far away in the West. It's the sort of place that has a space for the good and the bad and the worst and the best and the sane and the mad and the cursed and the blessed. If not at its university, at least in its menagerie. What weirdness will these academic adventurers uncover in this Eldritch episode? Well, I could tell you, but we'd rather show you we're the Runelanders. This is Tallwater Tales. So get ready, runatics, and let's roll. We return to the room where Vesper, Finn, and Garnak have wandered off to. This room is uh, probably 20 feet by 35 feet. It has a door in the west wall as well as a window. There are also windows in the in the south and east walls. Uh, there's no glass in any of them. The door on the west wall leads out to a patio, which we can see is uh, overgrown, like a tree has pushed its way up through the decking. Right, it's been left to go that long. There is a fireplace in this room as well. So, I think Finn has just finished being pissed. <laughs> And sort of shakes his head and says, Well, we found out the house is haunted by a devil. I could have killed you, lady. You could have tried. I've seen his gun. He actually probably could have. Don't go wandering off by yourself. There's a crash from the room behind you, guys. Oh, no. I, I go uh, squeak stomping back. Actually, the squeak stomp would be turned off, but I'd be running back. Magrin, you did not see that shield. Like, after the doors closed, it got dark in here. You thought you were, like, maybe two feet to the left, perhaps, but you didn't see it. Stub your toe. There's a big crash, and now you're swearing silently and hugging your foot. Stop, 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 squish, stop, squish, stop, squish, stop, squish. The incredibly stealthy Garnack comes squishing up the mossy hallway behind you. Garnack, as you're the first back into this room... You pass the two doorways in the hall and see Magrin clutching her foot as though she's just stubbed the shit out of her toe, which in fact she has. Ow. Well, at least you're a healer, right? Oh, here. Uh, I snap off one of the treble lights and give it to her, just a little mini lantern. Thank you. I look back at Finn and kind of squint a little bit and shrug and move on. Auntie Magrin, there's a fireplace in the other room. It might be easier to build a fire than in this shield. Wait, um, Mag, Mag, you're cooking? Of course I'm cooking. Oh. Oh. Don't worry, I didn't bring the bugs. I know you guys are all hesitant to try their wonder. Oh no, I'll try them. I mean, I'll, I'll try anything. But, um, yeah, you've, you've cooked before, um. It's stew? How hard can it be? I stumble off to get my backpacks very, very protectively, and then start, you know, heading back towards the room with the fire. Paulo's pulling a wooden spoon from the back of her head. 
in her massive hair. Right, it's next to the spatula. For reference, it's a slotted wooden spoon, unfortunately. That's fair. It would make sense for stew. Not for serving. You need a ladle for that. I'll have to find one. Well, that's that's in your bag, though. You can't keep your ladle in your hair. No, it's too wide. And heavy, too, right? It really takes a lot of the bounce out. 100%. So, yes, um, you get into the other room. Sure enough, it might be squishy in here, but uh, it's a good size. There's a largish fireplace. Um, there's a hell of a wind blowing through that window. Now, quickly checking your memory of the place, you remember that there were chimneys, three of them, in fact, at least, uh, one on the north wall, one on the south wall, and uh, the remnants of a third one far out on the west wall. But, um, you know, that one appeared to have been knocked down. However, yeah, this one, there's rain blistering through that window. This is a biggish sort of room. Um, looking around, everybody is in here, so that would be Vesper, Magrin, Garnak, and Finn. If you want to roll a investigation check for me, please. Four. Uh, 18. 11. Great. So yeah, this room was like a, a big living room, uh, it looks like. There was furniture here. The carpet's still here because it's it's built to fit the room. A, a 20 by 35 carpet is hard to move. So it's gone all gushy and squishy and all this and that. But the door, which lies on the floor as though it had led out to the patio, doesn't seem to fit the motif. You're looking at these windows. They have an arched top, and they're tall. They're like 10-foot-tall floor-to-ceiling windows. There's five of them in this room, two on the south wall, one on the west wall, and two in the east wall. Um, but the door, which is lying out on the carpet, doesn't look like it fits the fancy decor of the room. Weird. Uh, I'd use the ritual, especially if we're going to be in here for a bit. I'd probably use, try and use the ritual to detect magic just so I could see anything weird going on in the room. I'd also want to take a look at um, any type of auras that are coming off of Juro and Vesper and see how that whole reaction is still going with their connection and you know Vesper not getting hit by another um, thalmic train uh, by go by trying to leave the grounds. All right, then. So you set up your instruments and start to take some thalmic readings. That'll take you 10 minutes, I believe, right? That's how long the ritual takes? Yes. All right, you can start setting that up now, and I'll let you know what you get when you get it. This is not a really sheltered room. It is open, and you can see here. But, uh, yeah, like there, there's just a door laying on the floor. A big old fireplace, which is full of, you know, rot and old fires and shit like that. And uh, a couple of busted doors. You might be able to burn the one, but they're uh, they're pretty wet. Maybe we should try and find a different fireplace. Nonsense. Why don't we just clean this one out? Megrin, there is water coming into the room through the broken windows. We hang up some tarps, we move on. It's not like the room is flooded. 
I don't think we have tarps. Essential for making shelter in any situation. So she reaches into her purse and pulls out a tarp. It's a 10 by 10 piece of thick oil skin. This endeavor is not as easily accomplished as I make it sound by saying she pulls it out. It is, after all, a 10 by 10 piece of oil skin and appropriately weighty. Magrin is no big lady to do it. So, I mean, there's some hauling, but she gets it out. Is this sufficient Vesper to keep you dry from a little bit of rain? Oh, I wasn't speaking about myself. I'm quite enjoying the cold. I was more speaking for the more delicate among us. Of course, of course. Juro, will this be sufficient? Yes, that will be plenty. Vesper just chuckles. Thank your pardon. Wonderful. You work on that, and I'm going to go do some sparring exercises. And Vesper will walk to the opposite end of the room from where the fireplace is and pull out her scimitar. Hey, Finn. As everybody's moving in and out of the room, you can't help but notice that uh, there's healed footprints leading over to the door. Now, there's a mechanical footprint that you would notice. There's your own footprints that you would notice. And there are the big rabbit footprints of Vesper that you would notice. But these, these are too big for Magrin, and she's not wearing heels anyway. So that leaves you, or Juro. Juro, who's still in the other room unpacking his... Yeah, no, those aren't any tracks belonging to anybody in your party. I'm going to crouch down and see if I can tell what made them. Well, they're humanoid. They appear to be made by a healed boot. Men's size seven. Do they look fresh? Oh, they look not too old anyway, and they lead right over to that door on the floor. This is a normal size door. It's not like a huge. That's right. It's kind of askew on the ground. Yep. Finn turns and says, uh, Hey, buddy, can you watch my back for a second? And Get out! I need Vesper's everybody to make a wisdom save, please. Everybody but Juro, that is. 16. 13. 24. 10. How far into my ritual am I? Far enough that you have to start it again. What just happened? In a minute, there is time for decisions and revisions, which a minute will reverse. Hey, Magrin, this place is fucking haunted up, man. You are completely wrong. Whatever that was, there's no explanation for it. Just out of nowhere, this voice chills you to your very bones. Yep, haunted, all right. You're standing over behind Garnak right now because that was right beside you. You were standing next to the fireplace trying to get the fire going and holy fucking shit where the fuck is Juro get in here right now coming Garnak it definitely ruined your ritual yeah everybody everybody who got 12 or better passed it so Juro you make it down the hallway as mentioned, there are doors on either side of it as you uh, go walking down in response to Magrin's somewhat frantic tone. Yes, Dr. Magrin. I am nothing if not logical and 
I would like to apologize for my misgivings in this venture. Um, clearly something here is unexplainable by me at the very least. Um, figure it out. Quickly. I'm not quite sure what you mean. We were just asked to leave by something that we can't see that might or might not be magical. I'm still not sure about that one yet, but, um, yeah, it's pretty creepy. And Magrin's kind of shaking a little bit. Identify yourself. That's out. Oh. Oh, you are an angry one. Out. Is the voice coming from over by the fireplace? Roll perception. That was a natural 20 for a total of 26. It's coming from the door on the floor. Vesper is going to walk over to it with her glowing sword in her hand and just snarl at the door in Infernal. Gets his rifle out and points it at the door and sort of says under his breath, flip that door over. There is the tightening of little fingers on the crook of your elbow, Garnack. Uh, is it Max? Yep, you look over and she's got her dagger out in her other hand, which is uh, quavering. Her posture is rigid and she's she's just like touching you with her left hand and uh, holding on tightly to that crook of your elbow, you know? I pat her hands like, don't worry, we got this. You'll be just fine. Adam, how does how has Juro been affected by this voice other than reassuring it that he means it no harm? Not at all. So Juro is going to roll his eyes, which no one else can actually see, uh, and stride over past everyone else and flip the door open. So you flip the door over and sure enough there's a hole in the carpet underneath it and a trapdoor with a ring right there. As the door goes spinning off, it's like <laughs> as the enchantment breaks. <laughs> uh, there's been an illusionist about that. Uh, oh, it's been a long time since I've seen anyone use a magic mouth. Just then, the Thaumo interpreter that Garnak had set up to read the Thaumic currents in the room goes, Ding! Oh, now you want to work. Awesome. I go back and start trying to put that thing back together. Well, it's finished its analysis, actually. Oh, excellent. Yeah, it turned out that the knocking it over didn't actually ruin the experiment, or didn't ruin the reading. It had taken the readings, it was just computing the data. So fortunate that, anyway, if you had failed your wisdom save, it would need to be done again. But you didn't, so... Yeah, this is uh, this is definitely an illusory... Yes, there's definitely strong uh, thomic fields involving illusion and uh, a strong necromantic undertone. Oh, that's interesting. What's interesting? Well, there's illusions, but there's also necromancy involved here. Which could mean we have a dead illusionist, or an undead illusionist, I, I, I don't or think an so. illusionary undead. I don't think so. 
Vesper's attempting to open the trap door as they're talking. Can you roll an athletics strength check for me, please? Fifteen. It's heavy and it's made of oak, but it opens up with some effort. You, It swings on decently oiled hinges and lands with a soggy thump on the wet carpet. What do I see when looking down it? Darkness. Is it darkness that I can see through? That's what I was about to ask. It is. Okay. Is there stairs or a ladder at all, or is it just a straight drop? Just a straight drop about ten feet into a dark room. Gonak, do you have that rope bridge thing that you fired before? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Magnet? Here, uh, let oh, me set this up. Wait. wait, wait, wait. Before people just go gallivanting into the darkness, should someone at least point a light down there and see if we can penetrate the darkness? Just a, just a quick thought, oh. you know, maybe there's a ladder, who knows. I forgot that you could see, I'm sorry. Vesper will hold her sword over the opening, and it sheds a bright light in a 15-foot radius. So she should be able to see down into the darkness using her sword. Okay. Yeah, you can see the, the dry floor beneath. Uh, I try and set up the 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 magnet. I'd probably try and set that thing up to where I got at least a foot of overlap with that thing uh, up here if we can, and just kind of make a um, be like a cargo net for climbing going down. Follow me down when you get the chance, and Vesper is just going to drop down into the hole, holding her sword. Vesper, well, do we hear anything after she? drops through. No, it's quite loud in here from all the wind and thunder and rain. So we don't hear her hit the floor. What do I get down below while the others are up top figuring things out? Well, you hold your sword up and you can look around, but uh, the light from your sword is really killing your dark vision. Well, that's just great. And she will hold the sword down to the ground and kind of cover it up a little bit with her skirt. Okay, so what you see is that uh, this seems to have been a, well, it's a cellar. It's a big cellar. And uh, right now there's 10 beds along what would be the south wall. No, the west wall, and they've got a, yeah, like a wooden locker. Each one of them has a wooden locker. There's a long wooden trestle table uh, with a bunch of stools in various states of repair and chairs and whatnot. It's the biggest thing in this room. You're actually not far away from the one end of it. And there's a bunch of dishes that look as though they were used and just left out sitting on the table. Uh, as your eyes adjust to the different lighting, you can see that there are a couple of bugs crawling around in the wreckage of uh, what was left on the plates. Looks to be a couple days old. But there's no living beings down here besides the bugs that I can see. Nope. There's a cook stove on the far end with a couple of pots and whatnot sitting on top of it. And near that stove, 
you can see a large ham hanging from a loop of twine. Well, this is interesting. There are also two wooden doors in the north side of the room. She will just stay there for a moment and just kind of look, make sure everything's good, and then roll initiative. That's a 12. Okay, you are surprised by this attack. What's your armor class, please? 10. So you get hit and uh, six slashing damage as something from behind you rakes long claws across your back. You are also subject to seven necrotic damage. Vesper is down on the ground unconscious. Whoever's looking down behind her sees the light of her sword tumble onto the ground. Do I get a chance to scream or no? Nope. Shit, Vesper. Should the rest of us roll initiative at this point? Yes. Okay, so round one on 19. How far away is Vesper? She's 15 feet away from you, 10 feet down and 5 feet over. We weren't able to see anything that actually attacked her? Nope. Alright, so was I able, uh, while she was going in there, did I manage to get this the, the net set up? Yep. Alright. Um, to be honest, I probably wouldn't be climbing down, I'd probably be jumping down. But at least now I know I can climb out. And I'll use my bonus action to cast uh, Sanctuary on Vesper. All right. And do I see anything? Roll a perception check. I believe that's an 11. No, you don't see anything. All right. So I probably trying to ready an action to, uh, so yeah, I, I would have used uh, um, for the bonus action. I would have switched the barrels of my little can chucker and, shot a basically a um something puts a mental ward around uh vesper so anything that tries to attack her has to pretty much think twice or they're going to go in a different direction and then i just ready an action to shoot something that looks like that's not one of us it's more of a slide down the net than any sort of jump down because the net takes up a fair bit of the trapdoor. Um, you slide down it, your foot lands with a heavy squeak, looking over to where you see Vesper's glowing sword laying on the floor beside her and her unconscious. You plonk a can to land beside her. There's a 10 second tick and then the can separates and with a green glow, Vesper is surrounded in a bubble of force, which puts off a heavy go somewhere else vibe. Don't worry about this. Not your problem. And with a shick shack, you load a 12 gauge slug into the barrel of your firearm. 15. Excellent. Excellent. So Magrin is going to grab her amulet. Um, she's going to cast healing word down. Um, basically telling Vesper to rise back up um, and heals her for six. And then she is going to ready her dagger, um, and she is kind of useless right now because she can definitely not see beyond the darkness. Um, All she knows is Vesper is hurt, and she wants to make sure she doesn't die. Next up, 
is creature one. It goes squelching off into the dark. I didn't see where the squelches were or anything. You can hear them running off into the dark, but you cannot see anything. Like you can make this room out, as I described it, in perfect detail. But until one of the doors flies open on the east end of the wall, you don't see anything in this room. But I saw the door open. Oh, of course. Well, it's not, I'll wait till it's my turn. Unless you let me actually shoot at the open doorway, which I would do with the ready to action. A quick perception check before you do that. Eleven again. Okay, so when the door flew open, a bar flew off of it. On the bar across the door, as it flies, you can see, written in what appears to be luminescent chalk, in the local dialect are the glyphs spelling the word danger, and also the hasps which hold this bar on the door are damaged and bent as if something has tried to push the door open from the other side. And now that door is open. Is there anything on the other side? Not that you can see yet. I would still take a shot through the doorway in case there's something invisible trying to run through and then I start chambering the next round. Roll. That is a... 22. Alright, you... you... Fire a shot through the door. Vesper starts to stir and she raises her head up off the floor. She uh, she winces as the pain from the gashes in her lower back set in. Ugh. Ow. All right. So, next up at nine. Finn is still freaked out by the magic mouth scream that happened before Vesper jumped down. And he doesn't know what a magic mouth is, so Jiro laughing and calling it that didn't really reassure him that much. But he knows that we're here to do an exorcism, and so he th he knows that Jiro is the one who has to handle it. So he's not going to jump down. I think Finn is going to move to the south side of the trap door so that he can get a view on down the hole as well as back up the hallway that we came from. And he's going to ready his weapon and say to Jiro, Professor, I, th I think you need to get down there. Uh, but I'll cover you. Jiro simply nods to you before jumping down and putting putting himself between Vesper and the darkness. All right. So Jiro jumps down there. Uh, you get down. Vesper is uh, recovered enough to take a knee by now. She's shaking it off. Magrin, you're down there and you uh, you check it out. She's uh, She's got some decent gashes on her back, but uh, it didn't get too deeply into the skin. It, they'll smart for a bit, scab over and heal in a day or two without help. With help, you could have them gone by tomorrow morning. Don't worry, Vesper, darling. We'll make sure that uh, these don't scar over. I don't mind a few scars. After all, I have one already. Vesper, this is not the time to be gathering trophies. Vesper will just shake her head and ignore Juro and try and pull the back of her vest closed because she doesn't want to show people her back. 
So, there is a door which has flown open at the far end of the room. We can't see anything from that area yet, correct? Nope. Yeah, Juro has a uh, firebolt just ready to go as he's leaning, uh, as he's kneeling next to Vesper. Okay. Uh, yeah, like I said, Vesper's Vesper's pretty much uh, back up on her feet. She's got been healed for six. So, how many is that leaving you with, Vesper? Um, I'm at six out of nine health, I believe. So yeah, she's uh, like I said, she took some good scratches, but uh, she she seems hale enough. Like she, uh, if you put her down hard, no doubt, but she seems to be rallying fairly well. Okay, good. That's like when your friend wipes it hard and like takes about five minutes to walk it off. That's that's what just happened to Vesper. Vesper, if you don't attack anything, they probably won't be able to attack you for about a minute. She just nods in acknowledgement. Adam, when I saw when I heard Squeaky, actually, I'm not sure if we're still on initiative. I probably wait. We are still on initiative, but uh, we seem to have stepped aside of it for a moment. I was just curious if I saw, if I see any footprints or anything else that was on the ground running towards the door that opened. That's the weird thing. You would think so, right? But no. Hey, Juro. Yes. Your mind is a series of circles, see? And that's, it has to be. Sorcery doesn't go in straight lines. It just won't. Magic doesn't follow straight logic it has to be curved when it needs to curve it can be straight but sometimes that just doesn't work sometimes the logic's a goddamn squiggle right that's just how magic works anyway in this case it's an interlocking series of rings and what that interlocking series of rings is is back when you were a junior exorcist before you had certified you remember that? Okay, what, like a hundred and... It's got to be 180 years ago. About, yeah, thereabouts. Closer to 160. But, yeah, okay, 160 then, but... A long time since you sat pouring through those tome after tome, scroll after scroll, dry research paper after dry research paper, but invisible like you, you haven't seen it came out of nowhere no tracks heavy necromantic re- heavy heavy necromantic resonance yep there's undead about sort of creature called a skulk brilliant magrin Stiro. Are you familiar with something called a skulk? Oh yes, skulks. They're uh, they're also called life thieves. They're created by somebody who's so completely lost their way in life that they die and don't even notice that they've ended. Right? Or they've just they've they've completely become so devoted to what they're doing that they just don't stop it. Right? But anyway, they've lost their way. They die, but they don't end. They need something to go on. Everything does, right? That's just the mechanics of undeath. You have to have an urge. These things, well, they just take over from people. They become somebody else, or they were somebody else. You're not sure which, 
but they are invisible. You have to see. There are ways to see them now. Hang on. If you could just write, you need a tallow candle. Does anybody have a tallow candle? I actually well, do have it in my equipment. No shit. No shit. I was about to say, we have a fatty ham that's tied to the wall. We might be able to do something there, but... No time. Well, we got a candle. However, I do not have flint and tinder, so someone I'll, else will have to light it. I'll take care of the fire. Just hurry up with the candle. I pull one of my tallow candles out of my purse, because that would be too sticky for my hair. Adam. Yes. I still have detect magic going. Um, or at least the ritual would still be going at this point. Um, I'm assuming mine would at least have to deal with some of the different materials up there. Would I be able to run up there and grab anything for that? Or was I doing something specific that won't really translate? Your Thaumu interpreter is still reading the fields and feeding you data. Okay. So, I mean, just look at the readout, right? You can scroll it back a bit. It might take you a second. But uh, in particular, yeah, the necromantic resonance has gotten thicker down here. This is why uh, you can see that the, uh, it's the, the main effect of the necromantic resonance has been the accelerated decay of the foodstuffs, which has been left out. That fatty ham is sweating out fat like a bastard. It's, it's, it's going a lot faster than, than, than a ham generally should, right? Uh, the bugs on the plate are eating rapidly moldering food. And that is all due to the necromantic resonance here, for sure. Absolutely. So, uh, as Magrin pulls out a candle and hands it to Juro, who mutters a word of fire, and uh, the candle burn, the candle lights up, the room shifts for a moment from the black and white spectrum of traditional dark vision to the dim colors of candlelight. And there's a movement from the room where the door is opened. Uh, and there in the doorway is a humanoid figure. It is drab, really featureless. No hair, no particular outstanding features. The nose is like their nose is small. Their chin is weak. They have no outstanding cheekbones. Their faces are not particularly noteworthy. What is noteworthy, though, is the long pod of fingers on both of their hands. When it stands there, it sees the candle, and it's the deep, hollow pits of its eyes tilt as it turns its head. And with a dawning realization, you can finally see it. See it. A black smile spreads across its featureless face. We're going to need a lot more than a cleansing ritual. Whose turn is it? Uh, there we go. <laughs> so, Finn was nine? Juro's up. You're oh, the expert elf. What do we do? I, th I had just lit the candle. Alright, so that leaves Ash and Vesper at one. You go ahead, Vesper. Um, Vesper will... 
she won't get up from this little sanctuary thing she's in, but she'll grab her sword and then she's going to cast a spell at it. Sanctuary moves with you. Um, you just can't attack, but this will probably actually bop you out of it. I also didn't say that, though, so... Would casting a spell through it at something deactivate it? Is it an attack? Makes an attack, casts a spell that affects an enemy, or deals damage to another creature. The spell ends. Yeah, it would. So, she's going to cast Frostbite... Um, at the creature thing that is currently there and is really, honestly, freaky. So I need a constitution saving throw from the skulk. What's the difficulty, please? 14 is the DC. 21. So you nail into it with frostbite and it melts off into the shadows. For a moment it blips out until it steps back into the candlelight whereupon its drab skin gets visible again. Top of the round, we're going back to, I think, 19? Yeah, I'm loading another round and taking another shot. Kaboom, roll, please. That is an 18. That hits. 10 damage. And I would probably be moving up. Okay, so there is a there's the roar of thunder as uh, Garnax shotgun grabs a big chunk of meat off this thing throws it back against the wall it lands and uh, drops out of the candlelight and you can't see it next up in the round is 15 um so i'm going to cast toll the dead um it's a dc 14 wisdom save okay a six isn't going to do that I missed the save, so roll your big damage. Seven. All right, kaboom! It gets blown off of its feet, falls out of the light of the candle. For a moment, it is invisible. As it stands up, just the top of its shoulder blades are visible, but that's all you need to see to hit it. So, speaking your doleful words, you intone the various harmonic resonances required to disrupt slightly the undead resonance here and it works like a charm this thing bails it right onto the ground and starts to crawl it drags itself along the floor heavily damaged by both the gunshot and the baleful magic dismissal which magrins intoned upon it however it is its turn and so it is going to try to dash and get away from here it picks itself up and starts to stagger towards that door, heavily damaged. It makes it to the door and through it before any of the rest of you can attack it. However, that's when its colleague, which has been hiding at the other end of the room until now, decides to take its action and uh, attacks the next in order. Who would be number nine? Finn is still up top. All right, well, then I guess that would be eight and Juro. Um... Just quick thing, I did have a firebolt held. What's your armor class, Drew? Uh, 16. Then I rolled 15. So I had an action readied up above for exactly this event of something coming after Professor Jero. Sure, I'll let you go simultaneously. All right, so it goes like this. 
From behind Juro, in the dim, the other skulk springs into action, its long, slender, clawed fingers. Forsaking their invisibilities, they reach out to close around Juro's neck, but Juro, for the first time in, oh, it must be more than a century, those old reflexes kick in. You see the fingers of the skulk, you feel them before you see them, and your body just moves in the way that your master beat into you, hour after hour after hour of training. You couldn't forget this move. It's it's like breathing to you. And so, I mean, cultured professor that you are, you are still a goddamn exorcist, Juro, and your body remembers. You knew it wouldn't fail you, and so it doesn't. Your knees dip, your hands grab the wrist of this thing, your left hand grabs its wrist, you turn it, it flips over your shoulder, lands heavily on its back. However, you miss the firebolt, it goes wide skitters along the ground, gutters out, but you jump back and Finn, you're up. So my reaction from the previous turn where I was had something readied, I will use and attack it and I roll a 20. Nailed it. Like a natural or a modified 20? Modified 20. All right, modified 20 hits. So that was your held action and nail it as it was going over. So the damage from the first shot is 16, and I'm going to jump down. So, Juro, you do the shoulder throw and get back from it. You launch your fireball, but it goes wide. Garnak, you duck as it sails off into the darkness and ends fizzling out in the other room. The skulk stands up, its horrible visage, its deep pit black eyes, hateful, its mouth open in a howl. It goes to get its feet, but on its way up, there's the roar of thunder from up top, the shink-shank of the lever action of Finn's rifle, and the skulk just drops over with a hole in its head. It slowly boils into smoke. Finn says, Well, I suppose these things are vulnerable to bullets. And then jumps down into the basement with the rest of you. Everybody else is facing the far end of this room. There is a candle which is standing crookedly on the end of the long trestle table I mentioned, and everybody else is moving down towards the end with a stove and the hammer. So, Vesper is up, has her sword, or scimitar, and she will actually grab the candle off of the table, even though she shivers as she grabs it, and carries it with her as she walks, trying to expose the skulk. All right, so yeah, you head forward, and uh, there's a like a wet, slapping, sort of collapsing noise from that room that the bars had been thrown off of. So you're walking with the candle, looking forward. There's the sound of somebody bumping around in the other room. And she's just sing-songing to herself. Well, not to herself, to the thing. I'm trying to taunt it out, but it's creepy. All right. Well, yeah, it's the language of Kanye, so it's uh, you know, it, it's a lot of harsh, grating sort of sounding sing-song syllables and whatnot. But uh, nobody here speaks Kanye but you, so. No, I know. I just, yeah, she's just doing it. All right. Well, you get to the doorway, and it gets dark down here, so she gets there with the candle, and the light creeps into the room. It lights the thing up, and uh, like you see a dead body laying in the middle of the, in the, middle of the room. 
anything different with the tallow candle or just the same? See the the drab misshapen form of the skulk with its not face standing over in the corner, uh, huddled with its back, like facing into the corner, huddled with its arms crossed in front of it. It's back to you. Do I still have an action? Yep. I'm going to cast Ice Knife at its back. Roll. That is a natural 20 plus 6. Alright. 18 damage doubled. So, with its back to you, you sink your ice... You speak a word of hatred from your home plane, and for a moment, the wind turns as cold as Christmas in Cania. And that freezing notion launches across the room to nail the skulk between the shoulder blades. Its body stiffens, its long-fingered hands fall to its sides, its head lolls back, and as its knees weaken, the knife explodes. There is nothing left of it. It collapses in a heap of grisly undead meat. Someone take the candle, please. Someone take the candle. Vesper very quickly, like, puts her sword in her sheath and then, like, brushes off her hands and blows on them. Now, as the... As the skulk explodes, you look down at your feet and see that there is a swarm of maggots climbing up your boots. I... Nope, nope. Get them off of me. And she's going to cast Frostbite on them while they're on her feet. Make a dexterity save. I just rolled a natural one. Okay, so Vesper, you slip and fall into these maggots. And uh, now you're on the floor, and now they're not just on your feet, but they're crawling up your body and across your wounds. And, uh, like, like really swarming on you. They're, like, creeping out of the floors and shit. This is fucking awful. Vesper, they're burrowing into your skin. And she's just twisting and... Holy fucking Vesper shit, man. No screaming, fucking way. FYI. Well, very Fuck good. you. Top of the round. Uh, Vesper's not wearing any armor, right? Nope. I'm going to cast Mage Armor on Vesper to give her some protection. And probably then just try and move in the middle of the grubs to try and draw some of them off of her. Because I don't have any attacks left. That takes my action. Dexterity save, please. Uh, 14. Alright, you managed to avoid most of the grubs. So, Vesper, your armor class is now 13 plus dexterity modifier. Gotcha. 15, Magrin. I'm gonna use um, Thaumaturgy to, I guess, cause harmless tremors in the ground. Maybe try to shake some of them off her by shaking the area. Alright. Um, they are burrowing into her skin, though. I need you to roll medicine. Okay. Natural 20 plus 6. If you don't do something, she's going to die. Those are rot grubs. They're burrowing into her skin, and in a minute, they will get to her heart and kill her. I'm out of magic, um, so... Uh, 
dig deep because Magrin, god damn it, you're a healer. And nobody dies on your fucking watch. So you can have a first level spell slot pack. Woo! Uh, then I'm going to cast uh, Sanctuary. You reach out and speaking the Eldritch theorems which you use to arrange thomic energies just so drop a like an eddy current of thomic energy to keep the feng shui aligned around vesper and keep her alive next how many uh how many holes are in her legs jura has rushed over and is kneeling down he's all Okay. Okay, this is going to take it's going to take a minute, but and you and you just stay very calm, Vespa, okay? Very calm. Vesper is currently writhing on the floor. She is and frantic. She's not listening at I, all. I need you to hold still and uh, I'm going to cast firebolt at her leg. Okay. Vesper, there is burning as as Jero speaks these eldritch words and, you know, completely brutally and without any tenderness at all, but with every bit of compassion that he can muster. He closes his eyes and with obvious regret speaks a word of fire and you jolt as though, well, because, like, come on, Jesper, he's just put fiery fingers into your flesh. There is nothing worse this is heaven itself you would rather roast in the in the in front of the holy hosts for a thousand years and experience this sort of pain again your back arches you scream out and when she relaxes one of the antlers has worked itself loose off her forehead and she is bleeding slightly but she is alive oh my goodness as uh, as Juro pulls his fingers out of the wounds in her leg, which are cauterized, she definitely like was almost like full blown exorcist type back arch. So she's now collapsed on the floor, unconscious. And so the camera fades, with Vesper's head bearing one antler lying in Juro's lap, as the shadows press in all around. Runelanders is recorded live and curated, produced, and edited by me with indispensable help from Cassie Goodwin-Harrison, Matthew Harrison, Chris Stokovaz, Greg Setnick, and Carrie Copley. All the usual people played all the usual parts, and if you want to know more about them, you can find out all about them, all about the little easter eggs that I scattered through these episodes, and so much more at runelanders.com. Watch for our vastly improved website coming up soon. That'll about do it for this episode. Next time on Moonlanders, we're gonna have some wicked awesome fun. You have to check it out. We'll see you then. I'm DM Matt Adam. I'm DM Good Guy. Reminding you to roll high and don't die. Until next. Take good care. Yeah. <laughs>
Okay, so the camera will fade on Juro, sitting with Vesper's head in his lap. She has one antler left. It will grow back, Vesper. You've lost them before. It's not a big deal. Yeah, it just takes forever, and it's going to feel and, all lopsided. And it looks weird, too, but whatever. Anyway. Can Magrin um, pick up the antler? Yes, Magrin. I want the antler. You now have you now have titling antler for your vast menagerie of components. We can both have part of the antler. I'll split it with you. Don't tell her. You're both very lucky she's asleep. Hide it in your purse. And we're gonna we're gonna fade on hide it in your purse. Tonight.